News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. That's where you are, and this is the show, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams, I'm your host, solid, conservative, just plain right. Copper's running the board. Copper, we're already moving into the, uh, halfway through the show already, which is amazing if you get down to it. Yep, lots to talk about. It just flies by. It just flies by. Good callers, too. And we got one coming up here in a minute that I'm going to want you to hear about. Real quickly, let me tell you, though, about my friends over at uh, E-Tax Breaks. E-TaxBreaks.com. E-TaxBreaks.com. These have 23 years of experience finding money for businesses. Did you catch that part? Finding money for businesses. Money you didn't know was technically available to you is just sitting out there. Over 3,000 programs like tax credits, tax incentives, grants. Just because you ran your business well, or with common sense, or you fought to retain your employees during the pandemic, or you hired a veteran, or who knows? There's all these programs that are just like, hey, I ran my business as best I could, and guess what? There's a way to get rewarded for that. And etaxbreaks.com forward slash right side is the name of the website address. Go check it out. They will square you away. So listen, I got to say one thing before we bring on our next guest. My last guest was State Senator Clay Schofield. I forgot to do something. He didn't ask me to do this. It's just something that I feel like is important. You have heard me say that the Alabama Policy Institute, where I do a lot of work, came out with our first ever legislative scorecard. Very few legislators scored 100%. And right now, all four of the state senators who scored 100 all happen to be in the Madison County delegation, one of which was State Senator Clay Schofield. So, so worth knowing. You've got apparently the most conservative state senators up here in the Madison County area. That is great news. Well, listen, I want to bring on another friend, somebody who I've uh, had the pleasure of working with in Montgomery. Uh, Eric Johnston is an attorney, uh, got his law degree from Cumberland School of Law down at Sanford University. His undergrad was at uh, University of Alabama. Uh, he's an A-rated lawyer here in the state, which in lawyer language means he's really, really good. Um, not only does he practice law, generally speaking, but he also uh, was one of the founders of the Southeast Law Institute, a 501c3 that specializes in matters like religious freedom and freedom of speech and sanctity of life. And he also, and I know this from my time in Montgomery with him, as a pro-life senator, I worked with him because he was one of the founders of the Alabama Pro-Life Coalition. So w- without any more to do, let me just bring on Eric Johnston. And Eric, thanks for joining us on Right Side Radio. Well, Phil, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, listen, man, there's a, there's a case going right now in the Supreme Court of the United States that is a potential landmark case, depending on how it rules, but, but it's like being touted as the biggest potential case for pro-life issues in like three decades. Uh, yeah, that, the Mississippi law is. Uh, and the reason is is because it tests the uh, theory of viability, which is what the uh, abortion jurisprudence is based on now and uh, keeps uh, abortion legal. So this, this case would potentially uh, test Roe v. Wade and Casey v. Planned Parenthood, the two cases that make abortion legal in this country. Well, so the, so the bottom line, a little bit of brief history for, for, for folks who are out there, uh, and I'll try not to use lawyer jargon too much, but the, it, the bottom line is a law was passed in Mississippi most recently that says that after 15 weeks of gestation that, that, that abortion shall be prohibited. And by the way, the Attorney General of Mississippi is the first ever female Attorney General in that state, and she is the one who filed the brief with her name on it. But she went one step further. Not only is she challenging the issue of the Mississippi law being enjoined, uh, but she is also suggesting to the court, and, and very pointedly, they need to consider overturning Roe v. Wade. 
Uh, yeah, right that's side. correct. Uh, you know, I don't, in reading their statute, and I, I have not read all of the court proceedings below or what may have taken place in the uh, Mississippi legislature, but when they began this, I don't think they really thought about reversing Roe v. Wade. Uh, the way the bill is drafted and the way the law is now was going to prohibit abortions after 15 weeks, right? which is below viability. But the way it was drafted and worded, it did not pointedly challenge the uh, founding of uh, the Roe opinion that the unborn child is not a person within the meaning of the Constitution. Uh, somewhere during the process, and in the brief that they've now filed with the U.S. Supreme Court, they are very clearly asking the court to reverse Roe v. Wade and also Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which was a, a very weak decision, but it was done in 93, and it supports the Roe decision. Those are the two main abortion laws now. Uh, but it bring, brings the viability issue to the court. And by viability, I mean the child is able to live outside the womb. After that time, abortion is prohibited, and that's usually said to be about 20 weeks, more or less, with a four-week margin of error, depending on how you measure the gestation. But this 15-week cutoff obviously falls maybe 15 I mean, five weeks below that, which clearly tests the thesis of Roe and Casey that, you know, you can prohibit abortion prior to viability. Well, and that's, and that's, that's a huge deal. And so the very idea now that we have a brief that the Supreme Court of the United States has chosen to take up, and, and, and you might want to explain that, for, especially for our non-lawyers in the audience uh, who are pro-life, but they might not recognize the processes. Not every case that's sent to the Supreme Court is actually taken up for consideration, correct? Oh, that's right. You know, way less than one percent of the cases that are that are asked to be reviewed by the court are taken by the court, and uh, normally they don't take uh, really hot topics until there's maybe several conflicting opinions in the courts below, or an important federal question. And this one, uh, this is only the Mississippi uh, law. It, they're not reviewing any other cases at this time on abortion. So you may say, well, they're, they're looking at this as an important uh, federal question. It may be because of the new justices, the three new justices that Trump appointed uh, who, who voted to review this case. Maybe they think it's time that Roe be reviewed. Well, so what we're looking at is an entirely different makeup of the Supreme Court of the United States than what might have been there, I don't know, two, three, eight, ten years ago, certainly during the time what Roe was determined. Um, and, and so... All said and done, it's it's interesting, and you know, and I, I, I think it's a matter of prayer. I think it's a matter of concern, and I'm sure there will be um, briefs filed from every which way for and against. But we got we got several options. Number one is they could just go ahead and rule against everything that you and I would hope, uh, and, and we walk away with nothing, and, and Roe v. Wade stands, and so in the Mississippi law fails. But then at the same time, they could just without even taking up the issue of Roe, they could just uphold. Mississippi's law, at which point every state could then move towards a law like that if they wanted to, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And, and Phil, you know, as lawyers, we know that courts, they usually just rule on the, on the finest point they can. They don't go out and, you know, and, and get very liberal in the way that they write their opinions. And so the Mississippi law says 15 weeks. So they could say, we, we uphold this. We believe the state has an interest in protecting life at 15 weeks, but they're not. I don't. It would be difficult, and I don't foresee that they would say. But we're also going to say five or 10 weeks is good too. 
Uh, I don't really know where they're going to go with this because of the way, as I said earlier, the way this bill started, it was more like a, the state's got an interest in, in protecting life, and they, and the legal jargon is they've got a rational basis for upholding and, and having this law that is to protect the women's health and to protect life. If you look at the purest form of the abortion argument, though, you're saying that the unborn child is a person, and that person begins at conception. You may not be able to prove exact conception, but you certainly can prove when the uh, the fertilized egg implants in the womb. And so you really, the, the Alabama law that we passed a couple of years ago does that, and it goes right down to the basis of the humanity of the child. I don't know which way the Supreme Court could go on this. They could reverse Roe v. Wade, but they're probably going to leave the finer points of this uh, for later cases. And there are several in the pipeline that are coming there, including the Alabama law. And so, you know, it's hard to predict right now what the court will do. And, you know, again, lawyers understand you just don't ever try to predict what courts do, because if you do, you're probably going to be wrong. Well, and the Roberts court has been decidedly hard to predict. Um, so uh, Justice Chief Justice Roberts uh, y- y- and I know you recall on Obamacare, he did reach outside of what was expected in terms of uh, the finer points, and he carved out the exception and said that Obamacare was really a tax, which made it okay. And and, and so it, it changed the dynamic of what people expected to hear from the ruling. Um, so, you know, the hope would be here that the, the Supreme Court, with a, a far more conservative bench, uh, looks at this case out of Mississippi and says, you know what, all the other cases that are in the pipeline that Eric just referred to, they could say, they could say, uh, we can negate any need to hear those by simply ruling right now on the underlying premise of whether or not there is a you know, constitutional right to an abortion, uh, whether or not Roe v. Wade should stand or Planned Parenthood v. Casey. And, and so all said and done, Eric, it's a little bit unpredictable, um, but uh, but nonetheless, it's encouraging. At the very least, they've taken up the uh, the case. So hey, we're gonna we're gonna head to a break, Eric. Can you hang on during the break because we're gonna, oh, we're yeah. gonna come back and I want to unpack this a little bit more. And I'd like to hear what you think about the Alabama law uh, that we actually gave you an award for a couple years ago for uh, for helping draft. Um, so you say you can hang on, Eric. Is that good? All right. Well, Eric Johnson's gonna hang on with us. Uh, we'll be good. Uh, we'll come back and finish this up. This is this is extremely interesting. And if you're pro-life, there has never been, never been uh, a, a, a time in, a, in this generation that we've had this much at stake in a single case going before the Supreme Court of the United States. Hmm. It's a big deal, y'all. Big deal. Hey, News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Phil Williams hosting Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. News Talk, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN, the News Talk giant of North Alabama. This is Right Side Radio. I'm your host, Phil Williams. We are here Monday through Friday, 2 to 5 p.m., uh, talking conservative. And like I like to say, we are solid conservative and just plain right. I'm going to go straight back to the phone with my friend Eric Johnston, who's an attorney uh, out of Birmingham, uh, who, who has been doing an amazing amount of work over the, over the years uh, in the matter of pro-life uh, and is one of the founders of the Alabama Pro-Life Coalition. Hey, so Eric, um, and I'll say this too, by the way, I'll, I'll brag on you just for a minute. Uh, you assisted with the drafting uh, of the the law that was passed um, 
I guess what two three years ago, two years ago in 2019, yeah, 2019. that became one of the, yeah 2019 became one of the most uh, decidedly uh, stringent pro-life laws that could ever be passed. And we at Alabama Policy Institute gave you an award for it called the Policy Warrior Award. Tell us what the status is of that particular piece of legislation right now, where, where it went and where it's going. Well, it, it became a law, and as soon as it became a law, it was uh, challenged in court, and it is in Judge Myron Thompson's federal courthouse Go figure. in Montgomery. Judge Thompson always, by random selection, always gets the Alabama abortion laws, and he always finds them unconstitutional. To an extent, he's got to do that because of the Roe v. Wade precedent, the way laws operate, he's got to follow precedent. But he always writes very negative opinions. He's very supportive of abortion, and he's very, very slow. Uh, we've urged the Attorney General to, to be uh, proactive and try to move this along, and he recently released information that he was. So hopefully we will get a final judgment out of the trial court in the next few months, maybe, and from there it would be appealed to the 11th Circuit for review. Again, they would be bound by the Roe precedent, and they would have to say, you know, the law is unconstitutional. But I think that would lay then the foundation for the U.S. Supreme Court to review the Alabama law, uh, probably following in the uh, the wake of this Mississippi law, which will obviously be decided by then, and hopefully will be a good precedent that we can build on when we get another law to the Supreme Court for review. Well, and I, and I think that's huge. And, and I want to thank you, by the way, for your work uh, on this, Eric. And, and, and I know that you're not alone in that. There were a number of legislators and other members of the pro-life coalition. Um, and, and, and I was proud to stand in those ranks with you uh, back when I was still in the state Senate. But, but all said and done, you've been in the mix on this stuff for, for quite a while. I, I am personally, as someone who has been pro-life for years and had an opportunity to, to be in that mix, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing because I feel like the courts right now are more poised in the potential favor of, of a pro-life ruling than, than what I've seen in my lifetime, potentially. Oh, certainly. You know, and this, uh, this is a 48-year-old judgment we're talking about from Roe. This issue has never gone away, and the pro-life community has been steadfast in their argument, and I think, as you say, that we've gained a lot of momentum lately. A number of states have passed similar laws trying to challenge this viability idea and, and get that lower age to prohibit abortions from being done. You know, most abortions are done around 8, 9, 10 weeks. So we really need to lower that threshold. And that's what the Alabama statute seeks to do, is to say that the unborn child is a person. And the, the evidence we presented in the legislature, and let me say, the legislature in Alabama, for all their foibles and other things we may argue about, they passed this statute exactly as we worded it. We said this needs to be in pure legal form for a good challenge, and they did it. They did it the way we asked, and they didn't deviate from it. And so I think this, this uh, Alabama law, along with some of the others, will bring to the courts the ability to review the, the very idea of the personhood of the child. And, and personhood is a term that's kind of knocked around a lot. I like now, in, in, in the medical terms, use the humanity of the child to prove that the child is a human being at a very early stage. And therefore, 15 weeks, if, if the Mississippi ruling goes the way we think it will, then it'll say 15 weeks, and then we can build on that to lower that age to a much lower threshold and protect a lot more unborn children.
Well, I think that's huge. And, you know, one of the things that I liked about the Alabama law that was passed, it was passed with the intent to pick a fight. And, 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 and I, don't, I don't say that loosely uh, because it was not frivolous. It was not legislation that was done with any intent to uh, never be enacted or never be uh, enforced or considered unenforceable from its get-go. But we knew for a fact, because it always happens, and like you said, kind of tongue-in-cheek, somehow random selection, it always goes to Judge Myron Thompson. And, 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 and the usual suspects, the Southern Poverty Law Center, the ACLU, the other you know, pro-abortion groups will step in and challenge anything that we do. But I remember when we gave you the Policy Warrior Award that night, I said from the, the stage that I was reminded of that scene in the movie Braveheart where William Wallace's friend says, where are you going? He says, I'm going to pick a fight. And, and that's what that particular bill did. It was designed knowing full well that it was likely to be challenged, but it was designed for the purposes of the fight that could follow. And I thought that was masterful in the way that it was drafted. Well, that, that was exactly it. And, and they asked me both there and, you know, later when it was passed, the media, they said, don't you know this is unconstitutional? And I said, of course it's unconstitutional, but Roe is not a constitutional president we can honor. And so we're testing Roe. And that this this is going to court. This is not a a frivolous exercise and just trying to do something pro-life, we mean to, like you say, we mean to pick a fight. Well, and that's, that's what's going to have to happen. And uh, listen, uh, Eric Johnston uh, with the, you know, uh, the Alabama Pro-Life Coalition and all the things that you've done uh, over the years, thank you so much for your service and also with the Southeast Law Institute uh, and just in your own practice. Uh, we appreciate who you are, and uh, we want you back on the show again sometime soon. Thanks for coming on. Well, thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me. All right, absolutely. Folks, that was Eric Johnston from the Southeast Law Institute and the Alabama Pro-Life Coalition unpacking for you a case you may not know existed. Like, hey, Copper, did were you aware that the most landmark case in, in pro-life you know, judicial uh, history is, is, is right in front of us right now since Roe v. Wade? I was getting that impression, yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. And, and you know, the, the very idea that, that so often these cases, they get turned away. I mean, they, they get enjoined at the, the district court level or at the very least at the, the federal appellate court level, but they, they never get taken up at the Supreme Court of the United States level. Well, they have now. And, and, and so, y'all, if you, are, if you are pro-life, take heart because we have more going on right now in the good fight than we've ever had, ever in a generation, ever. And, and that's, that's a massive, massive deal. Hey, listen, we got, we got more stuff coming. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, after this. We're going to open the phones up. We got things like what's happening with this whole uh, insurrection hearing they're having up in uh, D.C. Uh, what, what, what's going on with Simone Biles and our, and our Olympic team? Uh, wh- how do you feel about mask mandates? I'll open the phones, 866-494-9866. Call in if you want to. Talk about that or anything else we've talked about on the show so far today. I mean, we, we, got, we got it going on right here, and we'll take your calls, and we'll dialogue, and you don't have to agree with me. Just make sure you can make your case. We'll be right back after this.